everyone. Welcome to the latest edition of Future Screen, the podcast that flies into the future of out-of-home marketing, travel media, and onboard entertainment. In each episode, we'll be meeting the insiders from these colliding industries. My name is Andrea White, and I'm the Director of Commercial Content Strategy at Spalfax and the host for today's Content Roundtable. In this episode, I'm joined by experts in content distribution to discuss the evolution of airline preferences across the IFE landscape, licensing trends, and how distributors are remaining flexible given the ongoing ups and downs of the pandemic. I'm joined today by Vince Cruz, Vice President, Non-Theatrical Sales at Paramount. Hello. Mira Sharma, Non-Theatrical Sales Manager at Paramount. Hi. And Mark Horton, Head of Worldwide Sales at Cinesky. Hi. Thank you all for joining us today on Future Screen. Before we get into some of our more general questions for the panel, I wanted to start first by asking about some of the new movie releases or a new series that you and your clients are getting excited about this year. Uh, Why don't we start with Vince? Oh, well, I mean, I don't mean to be a homer, but I think everyone's looking forward to Top Gun Maverick. Um, Even people who have never seen the original, I mean, everyone's been waiting for two years for, for this, so... I would say I'm looking forward to the next Doctor Strange movie because Spider-Man did so well and it's getting into this multiverse and all that kind of stuff. So looking forward to that. And of course, Avatar. Um, I want to see what's taken so long for that movie to be done. And as far as TV, um, shameless plug again, but we have Halo coming on Paramount Plus, which is very exciting. That's a property that has been trying to get off the ground for years. And um, I'm looking forward to the Ozark finale. So I've been following that quite religiously and I can't (laughs) wait to see how it all ends. Cool. What about you, Mark? Um, Well, actually we've got a really interesting movie that is quite unique. Um, It's just released in Paris and it's um, called Notre Dame on Fire. And it's a blow by blow recreation of the uh, events that took place three years ago uh, now when uh, the cathedral um, had this huge blaze and it shows how the firefighters put their lives on the line to actually save the building. It's it's stunning. And, you know, we've only seen uh, some early footage, but it really is amazing. And and they're releasing it on IMAX um, around the world. It's We have the rights outside France. So it's releasing in various languages around the world. Um, but it's, it's an amazing epic movie. So we're, we're really excited by that. Um, if I'm looking at other product, I guess, yeah, I'm really keen to see Top Gun because that's so old now. I mean, I'm, I'm, uh, I've got Grey waiting for it. <laughs> it's a movie that I really enjoyed first time around and uh, I'm really looking forward to this one. I guess it's so old now, Vince and Joan must be putting it out with classic pricing, right? (laughs) No. (laughs) Um, Good try. Yes, Mark, good try. um, But uh, yeah, and then actually we've got an interesting movie coming up next year. Uh, They're filming it right now. It's um, the story um, of Brian Epstein, who was the manager of the Beatles, and it's how he found the group in the in 1961 and took them to the you know world superstardom um and the actor playing brian epstein is uh, jacob fortune lloyd who was in the queen's gambit um so we're really excited by that the beatles are fully supportive of the movie so all of their 
songs will be in it, which is great. Um, and we're thinking it's going to be around sometime in about a year's time. So, so um, watch out for that when it comes. Cool. Um, Mira, what about you, either on the film or on the series side? Is there anything you're looking forward to? Um, well, I guess on the TV side, and to be partial to our own catalogue, <laughs> I am looking forward to Like, we've got so much good content. Like, I can't for one wait to watch Super Pumped, um, which is the battle for Uber. Um, I loved Yellow Jacket, so I can't wait for season two on that. Dexter New Blood as well. That was a great one. And then I'm looking forward to all the Paramount original content that's coming out. So, obviously, Halo. Um, Greece, Rise of the Pink Ladies, and then the First Lady, of course, because I love Viola Davis, and it's got Gillian Anderson in, and Michelle Pfeiffer, like, what a cast, and I, for one, cannot wait for that. Um, and I know it sounds like I'm being totally partial to our own catalogue, but I do enjoy watching it all, so I think outside of that, other, other brands, um, I guess, I'm not too sure, actually, on the other brands. I tend to watch a lot of our own content. <laughs> I mean, you just made me want to Google what Greece and the Pink Ladies is all about. I haven't heard of that yet, but that's, uh, that's fun. Yeah, it's, it's going to be good. It looks great. But the beauty of TV right now with uh, streaming is the huge amount of content. I mean, you know, my wife and I really enjoy watching the European content. And it's mainly now, I guess, on Netflix and Amazon. But, you know, to be able to watch uh, an Italian drama like uh, The Trial, which was amazing, you know, and we could watch it in, with English subs or we could hear it dubbed. Um, it's great. And there's some fantastic crime drama out of Scandinavia. Um, you know, there's so much to watch. And, you know, if, if some of this can permeate onto airlines, it would be amazing. So, um, you know, I, I honestly, I think we're living in um, a golden age, certainly for TV. Um, and we're starting to see movies coming back. So that's great, too. I do think that's a really good point, actually. I feel like even within our own client base, we have definitely seen an increased interest in world TV, um, as well as world movies. In the past, you know, airlines usually focus more of the world content on the movie side, but the world TV, particularly interest in those sorts of big box sets that you're talking about, has really picked up. Well, the other thing as well with um, what's interesting, as we, we've got this huge epic Notre Dame movie, you know, they realized that this is a world event type film. And so they've, they're dubbing it in, in, in every language they can. So the French producers are trying to make it a movie that everyone can watch. And I think that's, again, the beauty of the streaming channels, because you can watch a film in English or, you know, Chinese or Korean or Turkish, or, you know, it's just, just click on the button on your TV and watch it in the same way as the, 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 uh, uh, airlines. So it's it's amazing now. I mean, that's actually kind of a great segue into our next topic for discussion, which is licensing trends um, for in-flight entertainment and uh, what you're hearing being asked about from the airlines or um, how maybe your buying or selling patterns have changed since COVID. Um, why don't we start with Mira for this one? Um, on the TV side, have you seen any changes in licensing trends in the past year or two? I would say, um, of course, airlines just want to continue taking like more of the newer content and then alongside that box sets of like the hit TV series and classics as well. Um, but that's been, I feel like that's been throughout for the past couple of years. I haven't noticed any like notable changes, so to speak. Have you noticed um, on the Paramount Plus side, now that you have streaming originals, um, if there's an increased interest in that area as well as the broadcast TV? 
yeah, Paramount Plus, because obviously it's such like I feel like all our content's great as well, but Paramount Plus has got so, like so much more content coming out that of course there's such a great interest in it as well, which is always good. Um so that's great to see. Okay, great. Um what about on the movie side? Um, Mark, have you um seen any kind of changes that you want to talk about over the past couple of years? Well, I think it's been in disarray, the whole business for the last couple of years. And I think um, the airlines are struggling to get back on their feet. Um, what we're seeing, I think, is is what we saw initially with COVID was everyone just held off from booking anything. And so we had a lot of relicensing. Um, I mean, it was endless changes and, and new POs. And it was a whole mess. Um, and now it seems we're seeing longer licensing. Airlines are holding on the, the titles for several months now because of the change in their booking patterns. They seem to be booking less. So maybe every two months rather than every month. So we're seeing longer license periods. Obviously, in terms of the actual license fee, with COVID, we've had to be uh, fairly flexible and reactive to those changes. Um, and, and I guess, yeah, I guess we're seeing a lot more classics being bought. Uh, I think budgets are tight. And I can see that we're selling a lot more classics than we have done in the past. That's really interesting. I think that airlines are looking to build um, build out those classics libraries right now to kind of offset potentially this more irregular booking patterns that have kind of decreased their volume overall that they may be able to book. We are seeing a lot of interest in classics as well and having that evergreen content on board. Right. What, what we're seeing as well with CineSky is that we weren't the first company that airlines and CSPs would come to for classics. But because airlines have played out their classic deals on some of the studios, now we're seeing a lot coming to us saying, well, you've got this movie, you've got that movie, How can we can we license it? So it's actually worked good for us. Um, and let's hope it continues. Great. Um, Vince, what about on your side? Um, any new licensing trends that you've been noticing? Um, I think I think it's more just permutations of the fees uh, because of all the uncertainty that happened the past two years. Uh, I think airlines want to be better prepared in case this happens again. So we get a lot of, you know, if it's minus 20% of the flights or minus 50, uh, what is your fee there? And, and, and so there's just a lot more um, versions that airlines or CSPs are looking for, uh, I guess, to just be prepared in case this happens again. Let's hope it doesn't happen again. But that, that's what we're seeing the most. And back to Mark, I mean, Paramount has always been very uh, protective of our classic library because it's so vast and so popular, you know, with the Godfathers and the Indiana Jones and um, the Miramax library that we have includes Pulp Fiction. So our library is very valuable. And since a lot of the airlines ran through a couple of other um, classic libraries, we're finding a lot of them coming to us for classics, which is great. You know, it's something that we, we highly value. And it, it turns out now that it, it is very valuable because airlines are looking to um, make their offering more robust because they can't book every month now. So, you know, they want to keep their IFE offering attractive, which is which is great. That is really interesting that um, two, you know, quite different companies are finding kind of the same common ground on the level of interesting classics.
I was wondering about a couple of other things, though, because we're hearing from quite a lot of our clients, you know, um, the same issues keep coming up or same um, questions keep coming up uh, across the board. And one of the things that a lot of our airlines are excited about is this reduction of the 90 day theatrical window and the potential that this leaves for earlier airline windows, um, which I know uh, Paramount um, in particular has uh, been exploiting um, to an extent. So how do you see your companies adapting to earlier windowing in general? And what are maybe some of the challenges that have come along with that? Oh, well, I mean, (laughs) this is actually a very relevant question right now because we for the Lost City, which opens this Friday, we tried to avail that in May, which is a 35-day window. Now, it was an English only. <laughs> I'm gasping. <laughs> Thank you, Mark. Yes, it was a gasping uh, reality. So, <laughs> I mean, it was English only. It was original aspect ratio. Um, it was basically the, that's the only file that's accessible for if there's a 35-day window. And what we have found is that um, the delivery deadlines just can't handle that. I mean, I found out that some airlines are at 45 days or even 50. So I just don't, as you said, Andrea, we at Paramount, are, are we strive to get our movies out as soon as possible. Um, but until the IFE technology changes or adjusts for uh, delivery and airline requirements, like, like some airlines, they need certain subs because of the territory that they're in, um, or they need an edited version. Those are things that are just not accessible at a 35-day window. Now, of course, it always depends on when the movie is released. This is at the end of the month, so... Um, but we know that we could do it. We know that we can deliver at 35 days. So um, until other things adjust, um, but we know we could do it. We've done, we, we, we have done it. So No, it is really interesting when um, the, the kind of reduction of the theatrical window really released um, it being from a licensing impossibility, but now it's up to the rest of the industry mm-hmm. to, to catch up and make that a possibility. Yep. Um, Mark, have the theatrical windows had any impact on how you're um, availing your titles? Well, I think it's different in the independent space. Um, I mean, we're working with um, smaller films, lower budget films, uh, and often films that get a very haphazard release pattern around the world. So every film is different. I mean, we can go out fast too, like Vince. Most of our contracts are, you know, we're allowed to uh, released to the airlines globally when we want. But the point is, as Vince so rightly said, the hardware companies are so slow in processing our files. So if we could increase or shorten that length of time, then we could put out movies faster. Having said that, there's almost no point with some of our films because we need the films to at least have had a good um, solid opening in major territories with good reviews for the airlines and CSPs to want to book the movie. So yes, we could put the movie out 40 days after or 50 days after or 30 days after it comes out in the States, but is that commercially worthwhile for us? Probably not. So we we try to put out a film when we can see um, it's opened in some major territories and airlines will at least know about them. Um, so it's a, it's a bit tricky. Right now with COVID as well, the releases are very, very tough for the independents because the uh, older 
demographic who would normally go out and see an independent film or an art house film are staying in, indoors and not going out. So that market has really taken a big hit. And so it's slowly coming back. You know, we have a, a, a great movie called Juniper coming. It's uh, made in New Zealand. It stars uh, the amazing British actress Charlotte Rampling. It's got 100% Rotten Tomatoes reviews because it was such a big hit in New Zealand. But for it to get released in the States, the uh, producers are having to take it on the festival circuit to get publicity before uh, the US release so that the older audiences, the more sophisticated audiences that don't want to see Spider-Man um, will actually get out of their chairs and go and pay money to watch it. So, you know, we know the movie's great. We could probably put it out now, um, but we're going to wait until the US release, which is later in the year. So it's going to be a little bit, it's going to be really quite old for anybody in New Zealand, but it's horses for courses. But I really do think the airlines should be pushing the hardware companies to actually try and improve on delivery because that would really change the whole business. Agree, for sure. And it seems like that's going to be one of the core topics at the Apex Tech this year as well, which will be interesting to see that being talked about on that side. One other thing, though, um, Andrea, is we're also getting more and more interest for higher quality product. I don't know whether you have, Vince, but we keep getting emails about 4K. Well, if we're in a 4K scenario, those files are going to be so much bigger, so much harder to manipulate, so much harder to um, move around, that that could be a problem in itself. But I do think the, the airlines need to be working hard with the service companies and the um, hardware companies to make some changes. Yeah, because, I mean, going forward, you can see these studios that, I mean, they all have their streaming platform now, right? So when it's done, it's theatrical run, it, it's going to head straight to their streaming service. So yeah, the technology needs to catch up so that, you know, they can have the great movies as soon as possible. Definitely agree. One of the other things that our airlines are asking about a lot now, um, you know, it's been for many years, but particularly this past year, there's been a huge push for accessibility, mostly English uh, descriptive audio and English closed captions. But I know that's been available for most new release titles for a while, at least the bigger studio titles. Um, but on the classics front, TV front, um, places that we haven't always had these accessible languages, have we seen any movement to these languages becoming more available? or any movement on the uh, distributor side to address this sort of need for accessible options? Um, Mira, I don't know, maybe actually, if you can talk to this from a TV perspective. Um, yeah, I, get, I think it's good that um, airlines are now doing like the closed captions because it's making the content inclusive for everyone. And I'd say that, yeah, distributors, we are looking at, you know, ensuring that we do have closed captions available for shows because we want our content to be accessible to everyone so I think that's a good move wait in like was a good move forward to see that happening which is great are you seeing in general with the uh the kind of global expansion on the tv front that you guys have been doing as well that you're getting access to more of these yeah accessible captions and also more languages yeah especially on like so when it with languages we've always had a lot available on like take the Nickelodeon content we tend to have it in majority of the languages out there. So that we've always had. And we do have more and more available as, you know, the years are going on, which is good. And it means that everyone can, like, you can 
there's always the option of like subtitles for example there's always that option that you can create the subs there if you perhaps don't have the dubs kids obviously we always add dubs because kids want to be able to hear it compared to um old obscuring content so yeah I like yeah I'd like to think and we do have like more languages coming through the catalogue or you know for a vast variety of shows across all genres rather than just specifically kids content great um, and what about you, Mark, on the indie side? Are you seeing that or if uh, closed captions or descriptive audio is becoming a bit more available? Uh, it's it's much harder for us because we're reliant on a lot of local distributors and they don't necessarily make them. Um, we do have closed captions on everything, so that's good. Um, descriptive audio, not so much. As I say, you know, the companies that we buy from will sell to a local distributor, say, in North America. Um, whether they make it or not, who knows? But then they may sell on to um, a Netflix who might make it, but then Netflix won't share. So it's really more difficult for us. Um, if we had complete control, yes, but um, we don't. So from the independent perspective, it's not quite as um, straightforward, but we are doing our best to provide closed captions on everything. And we'll obviously make um, elements as we need, depending on uh, the airline's requirements. It's good to understand the, the challenges that come with that too, particularly, yes, when you are dependent on, um, on local releases for a lot of those assets. And that also speaks back to the timeline issue as well. Um, Vince, what about on, on your end? Um, yeah, I, we're, we're seeing it more and more. I mean, as we start or other studios start to populate their streaming service as, and they're bringing library titles in, um, they could maybe stumble upon the English closed caption that wasn't available before or they'll, or they'll make it. And um, the English audio descriptive, yeah, I think, it, of course, it would be on a title by title basis as it's found or it's it's put into the streaming service that maybe it wasn't there before. And they'll... Uh, investigate or track these elements and i could definitely see that becoming more readily available as we go forward on the film side what are your thoughts on the hybrid theatrical and streaming releases and how releasing films directly to streaming or releasing films quite quickly to streaming after theatrical how has that affected the implant entertainment licensing landscape i think maybe we'll start with vince on this one as well um, well, I, th I mean, I think it was necessary these past couple years because the theaters were closed. Um, and now that we're seeing the theaters opening, we're seeing a shift back to that. I think going forward, you're going to pretty much have the main theatrical releases again. But there's, I'm sure there are going to be titles that will be made directly for the streaming platform. And they'll be good titles, they'll be strong titles um, that'll all be looked at, uh, of course, in the early processes, but uh, I think you're going to see a combination of either just a theatrical release and then a short window to get to the streamer or sometimes just a straight streamer release. You know, as far as the impact for non-theatrical, I mean, it's hard to say. As, as Mark said before, content is becoming incredibly vast and great because there's all these platforms now to distribute it. So when we look at our titles, there's always going to be value there. So how we make the value is there's going to be a number of calculations that we'll look at as far as what the licensing would be. And, but we whether it's a theatrical release or whether it's straight to Paramount Plus, we will value that uh, accordingly. 
And Mark, I know it must be different on on your side again with the very different multi-territory releases, but have you noticed an impact these sorts of hybrid or direct-to-streamer releases? Have they impacted a uh, licensing at all on your end? Uh, not really, actually. Um, because the movies we have are lower profile and do get um, picked up by independent companies around the world, we're not seeing that big change I do think that the streamers are affecting our market because they're sucking out as much good product as they can. And it's a frenzy right now. So from the independent marketplace, um, you know, we, for instance, um, were talking to the producers of Coda two years ago, and then Apple came along and sucked all the rights. So for us, it's um, getting product is more of a challenge as once we have it, um, the release isn't so much of a, an issue. I think the airlines are seemingly pretty flexible about product. And if it's a good movie, they want it. So, you know, I think everyone in this group are putting out good product, good movies and good TV. So I think all, we, all I can see is improvements over as, as COVID wanes and, and we can get back to normal. I agree with you that the streamer exclusivity is one of the main concerns that we hear from the airlines. The windowing is is one thing that has a different impact depending on who you're talking to and particularly depending on which territory you're talking to. But the exclusivity and the streamers holding uh, titles just for their platforms, like with Apple TV Plus and Coda, for example, um, and the airlines not getting access, that's definitely been a, a concern in general that's been growing over the past couple of years as, as that's happening more and more on the indie side. Um, it is, but it, you've got to look at the market and look at um, the money. And unfortunately, the airline market is very small. And whilst we all believe in it and want it to thrive, the reality is that it's a tiny, tiny part of the um, distribution makeup. And the money that the producers and the uh, studios can make is so small that we can't command that exclusivity anymore. It's bad enough, I think, for the studios to com to try and compete with Netflix right now. I mean, I, I was looking at the promo online. They have 88 features coming out this year, 88 films. I mean, it's incredible. Um, so I think that the fact that Vince can try and get, you know, a really big blockbuster movie 39 days out of after release, it shows you that we're committed to the market. But um as far as what the airlines can expect, I think it's going to be a bit um, tricky because um, it's not an important market anymore. Um, it is to us at CineSky, but not necessarily for the people running Disney and Warners and Fox. Um, you know, we'll do our best, but I don't think you can assume that um, things will be the same anymore. Um, Mira, on the TV side, have you noticed an impact with the streamers, either Paramount Plus or the third-party streamers, on how you're licensing content or what content is available to you to license? Yeah, I guess from the content available, I think streaming in that sense is like positively impacted like content because you're getting a lot more content through the catalogue. Obviously, content's always been like a priority and king for like Paramount as a company. And we've got so many different brands under there and we cover pretty much all genres now. But now because of Paramount Plus, we're getting even more content created that we have access to and it's being rolled out across different markets, for example. So you're getting more localized content as well. 
which is just like great for the consumers because they're able to access so much more content now, which let's say about five years ago, it wasn't really a thing really. If you think about it, you only had a few streaming platforms. Now there's so many different ones. So that just means a lot more content that you've got to keep across. Like I'm just thinking from a consumer's perspective, which is good as well at the same time, because it means you've got more quality content as well, because everyone's wanting to do better than the others. I mean, we are, we are first in line trying to get elements, trying to uh, find out when we can avail all our content. Um, Mira is constantly, we're hounding everybody <laughs> to try to find out when we can get the elements, when we can uh, avail it. And uh, as Mark said, just to show that this market is important for us and we want to support it as much as possible and get, get this content out there. So just actually one more question for you guys, and that is, given the ups and downs of the pandemic that are still ongoing, what kind of flexibility do you think will be required from distributors over the immediate future? I know you touched on a few things already, but if there's anything, uh, for example, flexible pricing and longer license periods, is there anything you'd like to add, uh, Mark? Well, I think the CSPs and airlines um, need to be as flexible as they can be with us regarding uh, language elements right now, because in the independent marketplace, um, we're reliant on going out to territories and saying, can we access your German dub or your French dub or your Spanish dub? And that is not very easy right now with COVID because a lot of the international companies are not releasing. I mean, the cinemas are still closed in a lot of territories and the they're not able to create local dubs. I mean, they just don't need them. Um, so that's a, quite a big issue for us right now. We're seeing some titles get um, a lot of elements, but with others, we don't. But apart from that, I mean, in terms of flexibility on both sides, I think, yes, we will try and work. And I know I'm sure Vince will as well with the airlines, with uh, trying to sort out the budgets to make sure that it works if there's there's less flights or longer license fees. Um, I mean, I think we view our role as, you know, we're partners with the CSPs and the airlines and we've all got to get through this together. I mean, you know, you can hear that we all love the business. We want to continue and um, we'll be as flexible as possible to make sure we get through this. Yeah, I mean, Mark said it. Exactly. We we have been flexible through this time, working with airlines on whatever budget that they have, and and you know we know they can't book like every cycle. So so yeah, we we're all we're all partners in this. We all want to get through it. You know, before pandemic, it was amazing. Airlines were booking a lot, and they were really paying attention to the content and curating it to exactly what their passengers uh, or what they think their passengers would like. Um, and we've heard from several airlines that when they did open up and they they couldn't refresh and they they couldn't get new content on board fast enough, the number one complaint was, even during this crazy time, was how can you have old content? So we know the IFE is valuable to the passenger, if that's the number one complaint. Even if you don't feed them, you still have to entertain them, right? So we definitely, um, going forward, all have to be flexible. We all have to uh, you know, get these budgets back and, and um, move from there, try to get it back to, I guess, whatever the new normal will be. Mira, any last thoughts on your end? Um, I feel like Mark and Vince summed up that perfectly. I guess I'd just add, I agree totally with Vince as well on um, the fact that, you know, when you're tra- like personally looking at it from 
if I was a passenger, I love when I'm traveling to be able to watch the content on the flights. That's like a highlight of especially long haul. So it's great to have the airlines getting back to taking more content, putting more movies on board and everything. And that'll just give the passenger what they want at the end of the day. I know what you mean was so much uh, different about the travel experience now. It was one thing that um, stayed consistent was getting to get comfortable, watch something you wanted to see um, while you were traveling. And uh, now that the airlines are kind of bulking up their content offering again, caring more about curation and being in the position where they are able to curate for the new types of passengers that are flying, it's it, it, I think making a huge difference to the recovery strategies. Thank you to all of our guests for joining this episode of Future Screen. It's been really, really interesting to hear the various perspectives of our content partners, and we really appreciate these insightful conversations and you being here with us today. Thank you for having us. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, thanks for having us. And thank you to our listeners for joining us for this episode as well. You can find us on all your normal podcast channels, so please do listen, like, and subscribe.